Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we have been talking about a bunch of the greatest graphic novels and comic book runs of all time, while comic books have been on hold for a little while. And this week, we're going to be talking about one of the most unequivocally critically acclaimed runs what? ever, I think. Yeah. Uh, Black- no. Yes. Oh, definitely. Uh, a comic I, that I broke. I knew this was going to Shut the fuck up. A, a comic, and it's more specifically the collection of these issues, broke through to huge success in the mainstream uh, literary world and media. This is such a big book. Yes. Are you serious? And of course. Uh, hold on. Just let me say the name of it. Black Hole <laughs> by Charles Burns. Now, the book was originally released as 12 issues from 1995 to 2005. It was, as Justin mentioned, eventually collected into an edition right after that. And that is where folks started to read it, started to consume it in a very big way. Uh, Charles Burns did other things kind of in the middle of it, and he did a bunch of things afterwards and has continued to create work. But this is considered a masterwork of American literature. At the same time, there's been multiple attempts at creating some sort of TV or movie version of it uh, from everybody from no, David Fincher do was doing it for a while. Neil yes. Gaiman was attempting to write an adaptation. Nothing has really worked. Nobody has really cracked it and figured out yeah. how to turn this into a movie or TV show yet. But folks keep trying. And even folks like uh, while I was doing research for this, uh, our old friend Abe Reisman, who's been on the live show a bunch hey, of times, did a... Uh, interview with Charles Burns in 2017 on Vulture, where he had him revisit Black Hole because they were reprinting it in a large size format. Uh, and he started it talking about how Cole Sprouse, who plays Jughead on Riverdale, when they asked him, what is Riverdale most like? He said, I believe it is most like Charles Burns' Black Hole. Wow. Uh, I'm going to say maybe Sprouse is a little wrong about that. Well, but... there's <laughs> dead people in a river. 
There you go. That's Riverdale, <laughs> baby. <laughs> also, if that's what you took out of the black hole, there's a lot more going on. <laughs> Yes. So there is a lot to unpack with this book. I can already see where this is going. When I picked this up and when I revisited this, I was like, I know how this discussion is going to go. Pete's going to be uncomfortable because there's sexual content. Justin and I will discuss it. Pete will say, fuck you. And that's the podcast. If you'd like to subscribe, <laughs> iTunes, Android, Spotify. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so let's talk about this, though, because I actually hadn't read this book for years at this point, like yeah. a lot of the stuff that we've been talking I, about. That's weird. Cause I thought you would like masturbate to this book every night. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what is your deal, God. dude? Just before you go to bed. You know? What a is black your hole deal? Before you go to bed, you know, Just a little <laughs> bit of black hole. Here's wow. the thing, Pete. Sex is a part of the human experience. If you're going Big to time. Problem, yes. I don't, I don't have a problem with sex, man. I don't know why you think that. Because every time there's any sort of sex in a book, you're like, you fucking pervert. You like sex and reading about sex. When in fact, what I like is I think the art is phenomenal here and the storytelling is phenomenal here. The characters. You're tails. You're like, you like girls <laughs> with tails. Here's the thing. What are you doing? Here's the thing. This book is not, is like sort of like terrifying. It's sort of like. Yeah, it's, it's scary as book. fuck, man. It's a so horror book. It's not about, it's about like that. First off, that time in your life, or just any uh, sexual that first encounter, time you has meet somebody with a tail, yeah, yeah, your first tail experience. No, just like the sort of uh, the horror or the like, the body horror of exposing your naked body or seeing another naked body. Um, just like all the rush of hormones when you're young, trying to figure out and like being just crazy and not knowing why. Like this book does such a great job of putting that in a comic book horror context. And telling a, a a great story. Yeah, I mean, specifically to that point, it starts off the one of the first images of the book is a partially dissected frog Ugh. with a slit in its front that is Ugh. very clearly vaginal. It's horrifying. Ugh. It's tied to death. It's tied to that's uh, what... being uncomfortable. It's tied to I don't know what this is. You're not supposed to know what it is. And by the end, when at least one of the characters has reached a point of maturity, both emotional and sexual maturity. They're in a place that is open, is calm, is beautiful. Uh, there's power and beauty there, and they understand more about their own body and You're are naked about the water, and free with right. No, no, no. The water is a whole different thing that we could talk about, but I think that ties into it in the same way. Because that's the only time people are calm in the comic is when they're floating in the water saying, I could do this forever. I could live here forever. Otherwise, it's shootings and weird shit. Like, there's no calm moments other than the water. We're definitely jumping ahead of the plot here quite a bit, but, like, that's absolutely right? Like, that's birth. She wants to... There's nothing more sexual than swimming. What? Right, Pete. No. Right, Pete. No, yeah. no I'm not going to back you feel up when on you're, that. How do you feel? How do you feel when you're swimming, Pete? Yeah, Pete, it's, you have that chlorine fetish, right? <laughs> yeah, I love the smell. Chlorine gets me hard. No, I think that like <laughs> the thing that like I just think that like I like just, the. Can I, I throw out a theory there? I feel like you're uncomfortable with sexual things, so you push back at them, but you love them. Uh, I don't know about that. Wow. I just think. I think I like the idea like, okay, like here's in life, you know, we're trying to discover who we are and there's this weird sexuality and it's like we're trying to all figure it out. And then like, okay, there's STDs and other things that could be 
the mutations that happen in this book if you're not careful or protected or whatever. But then it's like you either live in the woods or you get shot. Like, I, I don't know what happens later in the book, and that's what gets me a little kind of, like, worked up so or let's, confused. Let's, so let's give talk a broad overview it. of the plot. Yeah. So the broad overview of the plot, uh, for the most part, this focuses on two different kids in a high school in a small yeah, town. Yeah, a man and a woman. Yes. And when the man and the woman love each other very much, or even like each other just a little bit, <laughs> right? So hold on, let me just—you know how much you love recaps, Pete. Let me just get through this because this is going to be a nice short one. All right. The idea of the book is <laughs> so there's far, two kids living in a town. One of them is I think you can characterize as a loser. The other one is a beautiful, popular girl. Wait, um, you say a they loser? Bo- Yes. Just let me finish the what? Just because he's a loser. The three. This is going to be three sentences wrong, Pete. How many glasses of wine did you have today? That's not right. Today. (laughs) What is today? When does the day end? Yeah. When does a new day begin? Yeah. Where does the sauce? How many podcasts ago? Is that what you mean? How many days did you have in this bottle of wine? Is the real question. I'm sure all the fans t- tuning in to see our expert analysis of Charles Byrd's classic novel, Black Hole, are having a great time right now. <laughs> it's about two kids, a bunch of kids who live in a small town that has been afflicted by an STD that causes mutations. The mutations, yeah. if you delve into it, are probably something having to do with what's going on in their psyche. Some of them get like a small mouth on their neck. Some of them are able to shed their skin. Some of them get more horrific mutations. And as these continue to grow and change, uh, they explore more of what's going on with the town. It slowly morphs into a bit of a thriller where somebody seems to be killing these people, particularly the more horrific ones who are living in the woods, until ultimately the two main characters end up in very different places than where they started. Um, as they move on to the next stages in their lives. So that that's the broad strokes of the 12 issues, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. good. Cool. Um, and it's sort of pinned against, like, uh, I want to say, like, 70s uh, culture. feels like the era it's in. Um, everyone's uh, smoking weed. There's definitely more acid around than there uh, was, at least when I was growing up. Um, and uh, And it really, I mean... This this book is about uh, to me. It's all about just sex and what sex does to us as people, especially kids. It's what makes us crazy. It what is what pushes us over the edge, but it's also what defines us in so many ways. And you get to see these characters like go from the safety of their homes. They start having sex, and then they're out in the woods suddenly, and they feel deformed or they feel different. And in this in the book, it's physicalized with the effects of the bug. But I think that's what it, it it feels like, and there's so many good things and bad things that happen to them because of the, the because they've started to have sex. Well, let's talk about these transformations a little bit because there are things like uh, Chris, who's the main female character. She ultimately she gets the bug accidentally. She sleeps with a guy at a party. Uh, potentially, it's a little unclear, and I think purposely unclear. He has the bug when they have sex. He says, listen, there's something I need to tell you. And she says, I know, I know, I know. 
And then later on, it seems like she didn't actually know. Yeah, It's unclear whether she did or not, but she ends up getting this thing where she can shed her skin, which is, again, a very, like, clear metaphor for what's going on with her. She wants to shed her skin. She wants to be somebody different than she is, but she can never really actually change herself because when she takes off that skin, she's still the same person at the end of the day. Uh, Versus you have, I'm forgetting the name of the guy that she hooks up with, But he has this little Rob. Yeah, he has this little mouth on his neck, which really very clearly says exactly what he is thinking inside, what he is feeling inside, the things that he can't say. Um, But what I'm curious about is there are the kids in the woods who have the more horrific deformities and they mostly are very nice. Like, they're very nice, they're very calm, they're very simple, straightforward people, except for, and this is one of the big twists of the book, except for one kid who has, um, like, a split-lip cat thing almost going on, who seems very nice and seems very helpful, but ultimately turns out to be a bit of a sociopath and has been killing people in the woods, forcing one of the other deformed kids to kill people in the woods, and ultimately becomes utterly obsessed with Chris and kills most of the other deformed characters. So his makes sense to me. This character, yeah. his that deformity makes coming you, is that out. That's what you just said? Yes. His deformity comes out and we see what he looks like on the inside, on the outside. But those other characters who are nice, who have these deformities, why is that? What is the purpose of that? Uh, well, I mean, I've always taken it as it's their relationship to uh, to sex or growing up. They're like, it seems like a lot of those people sort of don't want to grow up. They want to just like stay uh, hidden or stay like in in the way they are. And so that rejection of the progress of life sort of comes out in deformities. I mean, one of my favorite things about this book that was always so, so scary is the the two pages in the beginning of each issue. Where you saw sort of a yearbook photo of a kid uh, drawn, and then you flip it, and then you see like some sort of diseased version of that. And I just thought every every chapter, I loved that. Yeah, to me, this was uh, less about like the sex and more about the like changing that people go through once they kind of like leave high school. You know, like it was like the picture of somebody at high school, and then at their ten year reunion, and then maybe their twenty or something like that. Where like you're gonna you're going through changes. You've been in school your whole life and now you're kind of released and people are kind of running the woods and doing drugs and trying to figure out who they are and what they're about and what's going on. And sometimes people feel like deformed or people feel like, you know, not themselves or they need to shed their skin and be somebody else. And they're trying to kind of figure out things. And then kind of along the way, mistakes are made and they, they feel deformed because of who they were younger when you were kind of more pure, more innocent, more kind of cookie cutter. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, one thing that I was really struck with reading this again the second time uh, was the art. I mean, I think everybody's struck yeah. by the art, but like particularly the confidence of the art and consistency of the art from the beginning and the end that – Artists change, right? They get better, they get stronger, they uh, experiment with different things. But Charles Burns drew this over the course of a decade, maybe even more if he started earlier. And it's so pristine from the first issue, both in the blacks and the whites and the contrast of the, not colors, but the different shades. Uh, 
to the end, it doesn't feel like something that somebody drew over 10 years. It feels like somebody, something that somebody drew over a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah, That's amazing. Crazy. And all the different little like sort of icons that exist, both the ones that stand out at the beginning and ends of the different uh, issues and just the stuff that is used as part of the plot throughout the book are so like, sort of still and horrifying and uh, juxtaposed so nicely against the rest of the story to make it, do you feel unsettled uh, with every, every page? The other thing that I thought was kind of interesting thinking about it is individual issues versus the graphic novel, which um, I honestly didn't even realize it was individual issues until recently uh, is, I think that explains a little more of in a good way, the shaggy nature of the story, where, for yeah. example, you get, I don't know why I keep flagging his name, but the main guy, uh, he goes to a drug den with his friends. He doesn't feel particularly comfortable there. Uh, sees a girl named Eliza who's standing pantsless. She just has a tail. He's clearly very interested in her. She's super high, makes him a sandwich, takes him back to her room. Things are starting to get a little heated, uh, but they have a very good conversation, but they get cut off before it ends. He goes back and he visits her several times, and it's not initially clear that that's who he's going to end up with at the beginning of the story when we first meet her. It certainly feels like it's going to go in a different direction. And it's possible, Hmm. and maybe even probable, that Charles Burns completely planned it out. But there does feel like, through plot lines like that, through like Eliza's arc almost more than anything, that there might be an improvisational nature to how he is putting everything together. Did you get that feeling as well? Or do you feel like it was more calculated and planned than that? Uh, Yeah, it does feel sort of organic in the way it developed because it definitely feels like a standalone episode for him, for the character where he wanders in. It's like, is invited in this larger art world and feels like someone who's very functional, who has the, the, the bug and has grown a tail. When this guy is really struggling with his uh, neck mouth, um, like we all would. Uh, a neck mouth that told the truth. Pete, how yeah. would you feel about that? Well, to me, that that kind of represented to pe- me when you're hanging out with somebody and then when they get drunk or high and fucked up and that's when they feel comfortable enough to speak the truth and like tell you how they really feel about things. That kind mm-hmm. of liquid courage, that to me is what the neck mouth was. Right. Like if somebody was normally too scared to talk about their opinions about sexuality, particularly through comic books, but then drank a lot of wine and got on a podcast. Yeah, I don't see the relevance there. Well, okay. Yeah, it doesn't really <laughs> seem like it. What are some points of the book that stuck out to you? Some uh, storylines, characters, anything like that? Justin? Well, I just wanted to kind of quickly say that uh, <laughs> you lost me at shaggy storytelling. You know, I don't know what that fucking means. And uh, it was weird that you said that. It it's means like... It's, go ahead. I was, was going to say, it means that it's not like completely like clean throughout like it's not like oh i see why this is all one story that was conceived of at once because in this book i was sort of interrupted myself talking about it it does feel like uh this was written over a long period of time where like uh, after four issues it was like okay what do i have on the table here as a writer what, what how should i move these characters into the next situation and it feels like specifically the relationship um with uh, eliza was that like it was something like oh she's there 
and now she's the person that sort of is the happy end for these characters. Does that does that help, Pete? You're a piece of shit. I think that <laughs> like uh, <laughs> I asked you a bit to helped. me, the, the tough part about this Sha- is very shaggy Pete, answer, Pete. Pete getting uh, rescued by a fireman. You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you let me die in this fire. Yeah. If I wanted a fireman, I would have called one. <laughs> you did uh, call shit. one. <laughs> uh, if you, you guys could kind of reel it in, so we get, if we get uh, reel it in, so we could talk about the story, that'd be great. How is your tale doing, Pete? <laughs> it was great. I wish I had a tale. She makes it look fantastic. A tale life. Uh, I think that like. By the way, if you're listening to this episode, don't forget to get it trending with the hashtag TailLife. Go ahead, take your <laughs> I think that, to me, the part that was tough, like, you can have a tripped out story or whatever, but, like, I want to walk away being like, okay, I understand what this person was trying to say. But the floating of the way thing kind of really kind of stuck in my craw the first time I read it. And the second time around, I was like, oh, that's right. This is why I don't like this story. Because I don't know... What happens? Like, I don't know why we saw this moment in time. Like, yes, uh, the transition from, like, kind of school life to real life or growing up is hard and that kind of stuff. But uh, the floating away into this uh, river or body of water kind of maybe it's over my head a little bit. Let me ask you, what did you think um, happened at the end with Chris? She was floating in that water. Do you think she? It seems like she died, like she had nothing else to live for. And that was it. Alex, what do you think? Uh, I, I think, well, this actually comes from just reading that interview with Charles Byrd where they specifically talk about this. Yeah, but don't uh, use interviews. Fucking, we're asking just you what you think, <laughs> not somebody else. What do fucking you think? I think wow. she's looking for rebirth. Like, I don't know if she gets it. And I think that's why it's open ended. Oh, but like I was saying earlier, she strips naked, <laughs> gets into so. the water, the place where she feels safe. And she floats in there and looks up at stars and all she sees is darkness. She's trying to start again. That's what she's been doing the entire time. She sheds her skin and she can't take herself off. She is trying to become literally born again and be a different person than she was before. So you think she's a born again Christian? So she's Jason Bourne. Yes, it was. Again. Yes, both of those things at the same she's time. Jason born again Christian. <laughs> yeah. God, make that what a movie! I don't what remember anything. That would be a fantastic. I don't remember anything about Jason my past born except again. for Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only uh, thing I remember is God. Uh, so you is that? Are you saying that she did die in your? No, uh, I don't think she did die. I think she, you think she. She swam back in and was... She saw Jesus and was born again. With these sort of ambiguous endings, my general take on it is I don't think it matters as long as the creator knows. And my feeling is that the creator knows what happens, uh, by which I mean Jesus Christ. Uh, (laughs) Kiss it up. Kiss it up. Kiss to no, the but seriously, like you can you can tell when somebody's like, I did an ambiguous ending because I didn't know what the ending was, versus this, which is like, I left it ambiguous, but clearly there is an intention there, whether we know what it is or not, uh, is up to our own interpretation. She died. Huh. Yeah, I think, you think she died. I do think, yeah. I think it it felt to me my first uh, thought was that she just the water's cold. She just continued to float out into the water. Into yeah, the, she doesn't want to go back. Darkness yeah. on the top and bottom, the ocean and the sky. 
Well, you guys like to make fun of me reading interviews, but Charles Burns was like, no, she didn't fucking die. That's not what I think. So she said, he guys. said, no, she he, didn't fucking die. Yeah. He no, said specifically, that in the viewer, specifically, the question was about whether she commits suicide. And he's like, well, that's not my interpretation of it. Well, and that's who different. is he? He doesn't know shit. He's nobody. He's nobody. <laughs> yeah. Why well, ask that? Guy? He spent 10 fucking years on a comic. Jesus Christ. Come on. Hurry it up, buddy. And whenever you spend 10 years on something, by the end, you're just fully phoning it in. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you referring to specifically? Uh, nothing. It's an ambiguous ending to my sentence. <laughs> it's up for interpretation. So any, anyone can Good think of what they want. Let's talk about specific moments in the comic book other than these bigger plot moments. Were there things that jumped out to you that you thought were fascinating, disturbing, interesting, anything like that? Uh, Yeah, a bunch of things. I mean, just images. um, The uh, moment at the end when Eliza's tail is wagging in the sand, that just really jumped out at me. Mm -hmm. Um, The skin hanging in the trees from the beginning. Um, A lot of the, like... The like doll parts hanging in the trees, just like that's just generally scary. Um, more personally, like um, the window pane uh, issue, um, remind me of being a kid and hanging around with people who are uh, who are doing acid and being like, "Wow, everyone's fucked up." Uh, that felt very real. Just like growing up in a small town, where it's like, "What do we do?" Where everyone's bored, let's bomb around town doing whatever. There's, I heard, there's a party over here. Uh, stuff like that. That this it felt very honest. Pete, were there things you that jumped out at you? Yeah, I just think that like um, I I appreciated the kind of like little moments that felt like somebody struggling to kind of find out who they were. You know, like the the curiosity of kind of like. I shouldn't go into the woods, but I have to go into the woods. You know, if I was smarter, I wouldn't keep walking. I wouldn't keep uh, going deeper and deeper into this kind of thing. And that's kind of, you know, kind of speaks to the fact of like, you know, the when you're young, you don't know everything. So everything's kind of great type of thing. So it's like how they kind of keep deeper going deeper. And then the more they find out, the more fucked up they get. And then the only kind of choice they have is to fucking, you know, just keep floating and give up on life. You know, it's, that's kind of the, where I thought. What. I, I was always very struck by, and this is more a plot arc thing, but Going into this not knowing what to expect, and even in a certain sense, because I had forgotten a good chunk of the plot the second time through, but that it almost pushes against plot in a certain way over character development that you expect. They they lay in the idea that somebody is killing off people in the woods super early. They're like, oh, there's an arm there. And there's yeah, certainly yeah. a question of, okay, is this a mutation where somebody's dropping arms or is there a separate <laughs> arm or what is yeah, happening? What is, what, that's the thing. That they don't, they don't explain things. Like it's just like the way they're like, there's an arm there. It's almost it's like casual. Life, dude. It's like casual enough that like it happens in that world that arms yeah. are just kind of found. So it's like it doesn't go out of its way to kind of help the reader all explain it. Like it's really up to your interpretation. 
Yes. So something like that, though, I think like the arm thing eventually ties into we find out this is this one character uh, who is killing people off in the woods. He is severing people's arms. He's murdering them. He's tying them to trees, doing all of these different things. But it really takes its time parsing out this info. And when we eventually find this out, in a certain way, it almost feels like an afterthought. It's nowhere near as important as what's going on with our two main characters in the past that they're on emotionally, even though it is the thing that ultimately drives them both to leave town for two very different reasons. Like it's more, it's almost more like a force of nature than anything else when it still has the trappings of a thriller or a, uh, Hills have eyes, horror movie type thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other final things you want to call out about this book? Any final thoughts, Pete? Don't pick it up. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> that, that is, is crazy, a crazy man. thing to say. This is well, a just. A, are you a, better for reading this fucking weird ass tripped out story? Yes. yes. How? One hundred percent. And I'll tell you You're what. Like, I, Listen, I was. I don't. I don't fuck with people with tails. I don't fucking. No, yeah, I do fuck on. with people with tails. Uh, I was also. Uh, I was rereading this while watching Normal People on uh, Hulu. Um, which is also a show about like being young, uh, falling in love, having sex, trying to figure out what it means, and just the bl- and that's very like down to earth, no sci-fi elements. The blend of of reading this book and that is it was really get, got me out of my head in a weird way, and I really liked it was a good blend of those two things. So you recommend it. If you're going to yeah. do one, do the other. This is a masterpiece of a book. The fact that this was done over 10 years, it's just like there's nothing else like it. It stands alone uh, in this uh, in its storytelling. Like, I think this is a great read. I agree. Uh, it's just – just from a visual perspective alone, it is absolutely phenomenally laid out, drawn. I keep wanting to say colored even though it's all black and white, but yeah, the no way color. everything is shaded and inked is absolutely beautiful. Uh, the writing and characterization is fascinating. It's a disturbing read at points. It's a scary read at points, um, but it is very human at the same time. And if you have never read it, I think it is an essential piece of comics literature for understanding both that time and place from 1995 to 2005 in comics, uh, nope. but also the impact that it, the, the, you really got to stop saying that uh, the impact that it has had going forward from that point, because it hasn't gotten that TV or movie adaptation like a lot of its peers, it's but it doesn't gonna. need it. It doesn't need it because like a lot of other iconic works, the way of telling the story is through comic books. It's perfect. Pick it up. And I do think it has up, yeah, yeah, one last thing. It does have an extra edge reading this in a time of uh quarantine or time where there's yes. like a disease out there that yeah. is scary. Yeah. Like that For part sure. of it uh that paranoia um just underpinning a lot of the book. And I love how they never really define it. They don't ever have to go into that's the thing. If you it, made this into a television or a movie or something, you would have to make different choices, and then it's not that book anymore. That's why I'm saying you can't. I don't think so. I think the trick, the tricky part of this, it'd be hard to. This feels like it would be best told as a reefer madness style, like 1950s movie, where it's like super paranoid. 
but it's just really hard to strike that tone in a modern thing. Even if you did yeah. like a 300 where you did like panel for panel, shot for shot, you couldn't. You a couldn't lot of pull people. A lot of people compare this to 300, so I, I take your point. <laughs> I would love to see Zack Snyder take this on. I think he would do I, it. What I mean by is they stayed very close to the material, is yes. what I'm saying. Release yes. the Snyder bug. <laughs> if you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. direct to the internet. Check that out on Crowdcast and YouTube, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. We'll see you next time on the stack and let us know on Twitter. Which you want us to read the next time? We'll yeah, put something let's around do Thursday. It. Send us some suggestions. The more sexual and fucked up, the better. Pete loves <laughs> no. it. He loves yes. it. Loves keep it. our keep it's our tiny little act. he loves keep it. our tiny little you tails wagon. It's reading some cool stuff, some fun stuff. This is cool, and you're fun. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.